The Fake Show podcast is sponsored by Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas, the law firm of Hutchison & Stefan, Hash House Agogo, Brew City Brand Apparel, and by Mr. Antenna. It's The Fake Show with Jim Toffey. You know, John Leguizamo could very well be the hardest working actor in Hollywood, whether it's his film, TV, or legendary stage work, for which he recently received a special Tony Award. He is probably best known for his film and TV work that includes Carlito's Way, Moulin Rouge, Waco, Bloodline, and of course the Ice Age franchise. I've got John Leguizamo on the line right now. John, how are you, sir? Nice talking with you. How you doing, Jim? Oh, very good. Thank you. Uh, first of all, I have to say I loved your work in the miniseries Waco. I thought that was just such a great oh, role. You that. Just seems like it was a, a juicy role for you. It, it, it was. It was like a, a morally conflicted good guy. He was a good guy, an ATF, FBI guy, trying to do the right thing, and and going having to go against the system, <clears throat> having to go against his boss, having to go against ev- everybody. And at the end, he was fired. You know, he did he did risk his career. He was a whistleblower, and it's a true story. Uh, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't get a chance to meet with him because he he was paid off. He sued, and he was paid off, so he's not allowed to talk about it. Wow, that's really interesting. You know, and I know that as such a, a, a stage actor, classically trained and everything, what did it mean for you to win a special Tony Award this year? I know it's like it's really like for old old guys who are retiring. But <laughs> in my midlife, I was so thrilled, man, to receive a special achievement award and to have my play Latin History from once nominated. I was and I was nominated with Bruce Springsteen, the boss. Yeah, you know it was crazy. The two of us received special achievement awards. I was it was thrilling, thrilling. Yeah, did you get a chance to talk to Bruce while you were there? Yeah, he said to me, he tapped me, he was walking behind me in his black tux, and he tapped me and he showed up, I like your work. I was like, <laughs> oh man, you kidding me? <laughs> your one-man shows are so great, and I always wondered, I know that you're classically trained, you worked very hard to get where you are in the theater, but did you originally start the one-man shows, start to write them and produce them, because you weren't getting the kind of work that you maybe wanted to get? You know, it was a combination of factors. Uh one one of them yeah, one of them definitely was my lack of opportunity. You know, all, all my white friends who I got to acting school with were all getting like ten auditions a day, and I was getting one once a month for like a drug dealer or something horrible like that. Right. And it was very demeaning. But also the invisibility of Latin people. It was like, wait a minute, I'm hanging out with my aunts, my uncles, my friends, and we're and all these brilliant, bright human beings, and I'm never see, I'm never seeing them on TV. I'm not seeing them in movies. I'm not reading about them. I go, there's a crazy disconnect in my world. So my one man shows were a way of putting our stories by us, for us, uh, on the stage and on TV, so that I could see myself finally reflected back. You know, I talked to a lot of comedians over the years. What is the prep time for you to get comfortable and to the point where you're ready to uh, to go with one of your shows? My process is different. My process is very different. Uh, it's very extensive because my shows are are plays. You know, they 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 have a, a three act structure, beginning, middle, and end. And uh, I, I say this one took four years, maybe four to five years. By my 300th performance, I know I'm always feeling great. In other words, you're tweaking this along the way. You you base it on how the audience is reacting? A, a combination. I mean, I, I, I do get 
informed by the audience. There's a sort of a, a, a universal intellect that starts to happen, a collective intelligence that starts to happen from audiences. But it's more my own barometer of what I want to tell because it's a struggle. You know, like the audience wants pulls me towards the easy stuff, and I have to pull them towards the harder information, the deeper feelings. And some, but sometimes it's the flip, it's the reverse. Sometimes the audience actually pushes me to things that are deeper and darker that I wasn't ready to share that I, but they made me feel confident enough to do it. It's interesting. I couldn't help but laugh because the other day the movie Executive Decision was on, and and I remember you telling me a few years ago what a psycho Steve, Steven Seagal was to work with. Oh, my God, he's such an ass. Uh, <laughs> dude, he, was, he was unbearable. I mean, he, he, he carries a gun everywhere, and then he, he says, you know, I was a Green Beret, and then, you know, costumes goes into his trailer and reads in the back of his uh, uh, uniform, it says Hollywood Costume Shop. So he wasn't a real Green Beret. And and then we're, we're rehearsing. I'm supposed to be his right-hand man, his right-hand man. And I, and he starts going, I'm in command. Well, what I say runs in this, in this movie. And I started cracking up because I thought he must be joking. No one talks like that. And, and I, and I, and I was laughing in his face. And so he punched me in my solar plexus. Uh, knocked me across the wall, and and I was like, why, why? <laughs> but he's six foot five, and he can kick my ass. So I, it was kind of hard for me to like just jump in his face. Oh my gosh! Hey, by the way, have you you've done a lot of uh, great stuff when it comes to animated things and some other projects? Have you ever done stuff specifically so that your kids could watch uh, you in something? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I did. A, I did a, a Captain Vegetable on Sesame Street back in the day. Right. Uh, did uh, Dora the Explorer? Dora. I did. I was. I think I was the Pirate Pig or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely <laughs> wanted my kids to to respect me. <laughs> You know, I remember how in, you were saying at one time how important it was that there was one teacher in particular, a math teacher, who was so important to you, and then other mentors along the way. It was very important in your life. Yeah, you know, I, I have a huge respect for mentors, man, and, and I try to be a mentor as well. I, I, I feel, especially when you come from not having, there are these people that reach out and tap you on the shoulder and go, you can make it. And I had that, and, and I'm really grateful for it. You know, my math teacher, Mr. Zupa. He was like constantly telling Mr. Lesquizamo, you have the attention span of a sperm. Uh, <laughs> channel your annoying habits and become a comedian. And I was like, okay. And I and I and I listened to him and and my stepmom and and other people and 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 Win Hanman, a great acting teacher. They all were, you know, always coaxing me and always you know, uh, reinforcing my self-worth. Your uh, Latin history for morons, it's currently streaming on uh, Netflix. Yeah, well, it, it, the story, the genesis of it, it was my son was being bullied at school. He was 12 years old in eighth grade. And, uh, sci you know, racially profiled and cyberbullied and all kinds of nonsense. But I wanted him to be better than me. So I, I wanted him to tackle this thing with knowledge and facts and use that, you know, to diffuse the situation. Right. And... and so I started reading all this Latin history, and the thing was, all of a sudden I started finding all these incredible facts, and this world opened up for me of, of, of knowing that we Latin people are the second oldest ethnic group in America, that uh, we have fought in every single war. 10,000 unknown Latino patriots fought in the American Revolutionary War. 
I mean, that was never in any of my textbooks. We had General Bernardo Galvez with 3,000 Puerto Ricans, Colombians, Cubans, and, and Native Americans and freed slaves kicked the British out of the South. And then he gave $70,000 worth of weapons to George Washington. Cuban women in Virginia sold their jewelry and their furnishings to feed the patriots. You, 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 but you never see that anywhere or, or no. read about it. It's so that stuff started to change my whole worldview, and, and especially my view of America and Latin people and our contributions. I'm sure that there are many people who uh, sat at your show and, and saying, I never heard that story before. Dude, it was with this kid, this little 13-year-old boy comes to me at the end and goes, why aren't you my teacher? Why am I kept from me? What's your syllabus? I was like, oh, if you can get a 13-year-old kid to ask you to read more, you've done your job. That is fantastic. By the way, your Twitter page is also great. I I follow you, and, and I like the things that you say. Yeah, yeah, we'll leave it at that. John, always a pleasure. John Leguizamo's Latin History for Morons, now playing on Netflix. Great catching up with you, John. Always a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for having me. All right, buddy. Bye-bye. There he goes, John Leguizamo, and you can just tell what his one-man shows mean to him and his fans. Check out his latest on Netflix. That is the end of this episode of The Fake Show. I'm Jim Tofty, and thanks, as always, for tuning in. Take The Fake Show on the road by listening on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.